And welcome back, sports fans. It's another episode of Coach Hess's Sports Corner. I am your host, Coach Donnie Hess here. And always joining me is my faithful co-host, Mr. Brad Cross. Brad, how are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing really well, Donnie. Really, really happy that the work week is over. Now we get to enjoy a nice little weekend of sports. We've got a couple of titles that are up for possibly being decided this weekend in France and Germany. We've got a whole lot of other action in the footy, and we'll be able to talk about it all. Oh, man, let's jump right quickly into our game plan. A little bit of a shorter podcast today, but we've got some in-depth things. So so this should be a nice, healthy chunk of sport. Going to our game plan, we talk football. We go through the domestic leagues. Championships are getting closer. We will talk are some championships going to be decided this week and what ones may come down to the wire. We talk MLS. I know Kansas. I know sporting Kansas City is not playing well but we still got to keep track of our domestic football and everything like that as we as we go through the summer of MLS we jump down to footy we talk about round five we talk about the elephant in the room that is umpire descent and is it really an issue or not yours truly has quite the discussion points on to that and we talk round six previewing it and we tip to see who we think is going to come out victorious and always end our podcast with brad's crazy stat of the week let's jump right into football let's jump into your favorite league in europe that is germany here's my big topic going into germany with a massive clash between dortmund and Bayern this weekend still with the opportunity of dortmund to stay in this championship race can Dortmund pull out the win and keep this championship race over or does Bayern knock off Dortmund and seize this Bundesliga title and have let the beer flow in Bayern? I mean, the fan in me says Bayern by a hundred, but <laughs> if we're going to look at it from the non-biased point of view here, I mean, there's every chance for Dortmund to win. I mean, Dortmund has a very solid squad. They've been able to stay up in the top tier of the Bundesliga for such a long time. That's obvious that they have the talent to be able to beat Bayern. Uh, the question is, is how motivated is Bayern going to be? They've been knocked out of the Pokal earlier this season. They were knocked out of the Champions League in very unceremonious fashion at the Allianz Arena just a couple of weeks ago. So now all that's left for Bayern is the league. So that's all that they've got left for their chance of silverware this season. I think that they're going to more than likely snatch at every opportunity. And now that they've got Alfonso Davies back, They've got the likes of Leon Goetzka back from injury as well. Joshua Kimmich as well in midfield. I think that they're going to try and give it everything they've got, and they're going to try and get it done on the biggest stage in the primetime fixture in Germany tomorrow night. And then here in the States, it's going to be really fun because I'm going to be getting together with a whole bunch of Bayern fans here in Des Moines, and we're going to get to go out to a very famous German restaurant here in town and go hopefully have a couple of celebratory beers to celebrate a title. But um, the, the work still has to be done. And it's a very tough team in Dortmund, and it's going to be a really tough test. But I, I do think that Bayern will get the job done tomorrow. I think that they've been waiting a while to be able to, to raise some silverware and be in a position where they can win a title of any kind this season. So I think it's going to be a 10th consecutive title for Bayern tomorrow, wrapping it up with three games to spare. I'm going to go Bayern three, Dortmund one. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those just just looking at the schedule, even if Byron doesn't win this, I think Byron wins out. I think I think they're going to be able to hold on, but it does. It leaves the opportunity there if Dortmund can get a win. But I agree with you. I think Dortmund is just too strong. They've been really, really good. I think 
Bayern gets the title. And again, another another piece of silverware for the German Giants. But it's it's good to see an intriguing championship, even down the floor. Yes, I know you're a Bayern fan, but when these leagues come down to the final couple of games, it's always good for the league in the long run. We'll jump from one that's close to being wrapped up to one that's still very much in the balance. And that is down to Italy, where AC Milan still sits atop the Scudetto, the Scudetto table with a with a two-point lead. And but the only issue that they run into is the fact that now that Inter is just behind them with a game in hand, only two points back. So I ask you, looking really quickly at AC Milan's following schedule of Lazio, Fiorentina, Verona. Atalanta and Sassuolo. Can AC Milan hold on to the title or is Inter actually in the best chance to win the Scudetto this year? Well, I think it's really going to come down to this matchup on Sunday. Milan go to the Stadio Olimpico to play Lazio away. And I think that that's going to be a very tough test to them. I think they have to be able to show up with every, every ounce of competitive firepower they've got. They have not necessarily done too terribly well in this month of April consecutive nil-nil draws against Bologna and Torino, a three-nil loss in the Coppa Italia against Inter at the San Siro. So they haven't necessarily been in the best of form, but they do still have that little, little stop gap at the top of the table. If they can just hold on and get these wins and hopefully Inter for their sake drops points, then they would be in a position to win the Scudetto once again. But I think it's going to be really interesting. I think that Inter do have a favorable home and away schedule going down the, the final couple of match days of the season. They do have a Coppa Italia final against Juve. But other than that, I mean, the rest of their, their schedule is Roma at home, Bologna away, and then in May is going to be Udinese away, Empoli home, Cagliari away, and Sampdoria at the San Siro to close out the season. So if I'm a betting man right now, I would be betting on Inter Milan right now. I think that their schedule favors them in this race and I think it's to be very tough to see Inter Milan dropping points but I think the other wild card here is Napoli I mean yes they're they're a little bit behind they are on 67 points as compared to Milan's 71 but if both teams drop and Napoli can get the rest of the points I mean if they're going to need to win out but if they can I mean they very well could possibly throw a whole wrench in the in the system and potentially take it for themselves but if i'm a betting man i'd go with inter at the moment uh, i mean in napoli's schedule it is very favorable so if they can get some point drops there they got a good chance empoli sassuolo torino genoa and spezia are their final five games of the season so definitely i think napoli's not fully out of this I'm, I'm still, I'm with you. I think Inter Milan is sitting a little bit in the driver's seat. That fact that they've got that game in hand and a win gives them a one point lead and a very favorable, favorable schedule. Bologna, Udinese, Empoli, that, yeah, that Roma match is the only one that would be slightly a little bit of a worry. But if you can get by that one, the rest of your games, the, only, the other issue you talk to is, is the Italian the Coppa Italia match against Juventus, it's an extra game that the others don't have to play. So we'll really have to see how that affects Internazionale. So we jump from Italy over to Spain and the title hopes are not the discussion point here. It, it's this was a, this is a club we talked about a lot earlier in the season. That is Real Betis. Real Betis, as we speak in La Liga, sit fifth. They are four points back even amount of points with Atletico Madrid. 
I'm crazy. I want to see this little club make another, make the Champions League. Do they have any hope or are they just too far back with too few games to get into that last Champions League spot over Atletico? It's, it's going to be tough. So if we take a look here, they have the Copa del Rey final on Saturday, tomorrow from recording. They have that against Valencia. Then it comes to May, and this is the, the part that's really tricky. Barca at home is potentially winnable, although Barca have been significantly better than they were at the start of, se- of the season. Now they have Xavi and a couple of other signings in. They have Valencia away, which is a tough one. And they have Granada at home and Real Madrid at the Bernabeu to end the season. And that's going to very likely be a trophy day for Real Madrid. So I, I hate to be a bearer of bad news, Donnie, but I am not overly optimistic on seeing Real Betis get that final spot in the Champions League. However, you know, anything is possible. I mean, we've seen crazier things happen. If we take a look at Atleti's schedule, they have Athletic Bilbao away, then they have Real Madrid at home. Elche away, Sevilla at home, and Sociedad to to round out the season. So, I mean, if I'm a betting man, I'd say Atleti get that final spot in the Champions League. I, I don't think it would be a bad season at all for Real Betis if they can win the Copa del Rey tomorrow or if they can finish fifth. I mean, a fifth place finish in La Liga is not uh, something to hang your head about at all. I mean, that's a very good season, especially for a club that's not necessarily as well known as others like Real Betis, I think that it's going to be very interesting to see how they do. I 100% agree. And, and they're still, they'll still be in European play. They're in fifth. So they'll still make the Europa league, but it's that, it's that great story of seeing Real Betis in the champions league, potentially as a little bit of a smaller club in Spain would be absolutely fantastic. We jump from the little engine that could, that is Real Betis to what is hard not to argue is two of the most dominant teams in all of Europe. And that is Liverpool and Manchester city in England. So I got to ask, the Liverpool-Manchester City game, uh, we, we, we talked about it last podcast, is that it was an even 2-2 even two, two draw, an exciting draw. These two teams recently just played in the FA Cup and Liverpool with a big win, but not against a full-strength side of, um, uh, of Manchester City. Unfortunately, our, our beloved Zach Steffen had a few clangers in that game, and unfortunately, Liverpool moved on in the FA Cup. So I, so I ask you this. Liverpool's schedule is just a tiny bit tougher in this long run. So many people are, are handing the title to Manchester City. So I ask you, sir, looking at looking at this schedule, uh, going to the end of the season with games against Everton, New, uh, Everton, Newcastle, Tottenham, Aston Villa, Chelsea, Southampton, and Wolves to end. Can Liverpool win enough and can they get lucky that Manchester City will drop points? Or are we looking at two teams both winning out the end of the season and Manchester winning by the barest of margins? This is so tough to call. I mean, we, we do have to remember that both of these teams are in extra competitions. Liverpool is in two. Liverpool has the FA Cup and Champions League, whereas Manchester City just have Champions League. I, oh, this is so tough because you, you can't, you can never bet against Pep Guardiola. But at the same time, you can never bet against Jurgen Klopp. I mean, these are literally two of the best teams in the world at the height of their powers, so close in the table, going head-to-head, neck-and-neck. So it's just such a tough one to call. I mean, if I'm a betting man, I would give just the slightest edge to Manchester City just because they've done it so many times before in the league. 
They, they've done, they've gotten the league silverware over and over and over again with Guardiola at the helm. So I, I would say that city is just a little bit ahead in terms of where I would want to be, where, where I'd want to be betting on them. However, May 15th, match day 37, City away to West Ham. Mm-hmm. That is such a huge game. And the one before that, they have Newcastle at home, who themselves are rounding themselves into fairly decent form to save themselves from relegation. Yep. So, I mean, it's just such a tough one to call. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I, I think that I would slightly lean toward Manchester City. However, it, it, it's really just so close and such a neck and neck battle. So, so I went through Liverpool's Liverpool's uh, remaining schedule, and here's the remaining EPL matchups for Man City. And here, even their their next one could be an interesting one, and that's the Wolves at Wolves. So that'll be fun up 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 there. Then you get Watford. I'm I'm probably going to pencil in three points for Manchester City there against Watford. Then Leeds, as you said, the Newcastle West Ham, and then Aston Villa to end the season. So. It's not the the horrors row that Liverpool is with games against with games against Chelsea in in, in there um, with Chelsea and and Tottenham and Wolves and Southampton, but I, I'm with you on that, and I hate saying that because I love the way Liverpool has played this year. I I think they've just been absolutely fantastic. I I look at it if you just look at it on paper, Manchester City should win all the rest of their games, and Liverpool's just gonna fall short. But the way this season has gone, there's always been something that surprises you. So I'm I'm with you. I'm thinking the Wolves game, the Newcastle game, or the Aston Villa are the perfect opportunities for Liverpool to maybe get some help, get a dropped point, but they have to win out. There's there's isn't any easier, but they have to win out. So it'll be fantastic to watch this. This is going to be it's must-watch TV. This is going to be must-watch TV, and the ratings for this are going to be just absolutely sky high. Real quick, I, I do want to touch on something real quick, and we didn't include this in our little in our, our little script that we usually make before this. But uh, the appointment of Eric Tanakh at, at Manchester United from Ajax, I, I I'm really liking that because I, I I've been a fan of Eric Tanakh for a long time. I I've loved the work that he's done at Ajax the Bayern youth system before that. So it, I, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. I, and I've seen a couple of the names that have been floated around as potential ins for Manchester United. And one that I, I just saw recently was Frankie de Jong, a potential reunion with, with Eric Tanakh at, at Manchester United. So I, I just wanted to get your thoughts real quick on, on that hire, Donnie, and just the, the potential of seeing, of seeing upwards of like 10 players leave 10 players in. I mean, just it's going to take a while. It's not going to be immediate, but the the rebuild project at Manchester United with Tanakh at the at the helm is very very intriguing to me. It's it's something that I'm very excited to see. It's it's definitely a very good hire because you bring in a very good manager that I think he's coming in at kind of the best possible time because everything has just kind of went to shambles after a disastrous result against Everton over the weekend. So. He steps in at kind of the perfect possible time to be that fire extinguisher to kind of put out a few fires. But I agree that the summer transfer window is going to be interesting for Manchester City because Manchester United because there could be quite a change in this in this roster over the summer. We'll have to see again. It's it's 
what's what's the thought process of a Paul Pogba? What's the thought process of so many guys on this list? Because this has just not been a season to remember at Manchester United. So it'll be very fascinating. Does Ronaldo want to stay and play Europa Conference football? Yeah, it'll be very, very fascinating to see. And, and really quickly, I want to go off of that, um, I have to give a huge shout out to the fans at Anfield this weekend for what the, the amazing gesture they did to Ronaldo and his Definitely. family. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. It brought a tear to my eye to see two rivals shed the rival moniker for a while and both respect a grade of the game and the pain that he's going through at this time. That was absolutely fantastic. And for the, and for the Anfield fans to start singing, you'll never walk alone was just an extra little bit of class for that. That was absolutely fantastic. So my, so my, my huge hat tip to both of those fan bases for making that great moment for the Ronaldo family. And that was absolutely fantastic. So um, that was absolutely great. So we've kind of went through our domestic. We don't have any champions league or anything like that to talk about this week. So we will jump right into it. Domestic football. Again, we know sporting Kansas city, unfortunately has not been playing up to Brad's lofty standards, which I'll skip over that. (laughs) we will understand that so really quickly tell us how the mls has been going over this last week because again it's we're still early in the season but but the tables are definitely shaping out yeah we got the likes of lafc who just beat sporting kansas city sitting atop the western conference right now we have teams with the likes of los angeles galaxy fc dallas up there the big one that's a, a very much surprise so far in the western conference is austin fc the fighting mcconaughey's they're, they're up there in second place at the moment. They were just knocked out of the Open Cup by San Antonio FC of USL Championship. But league-wise, they've been starting off pretty well with four wins out of seven. Uh, Nashville, Portland, and Seattle, as well as Kansas City, all at the moment outside the seven looking in. So we're definitely going to be in for a, a roller coaster there. And then we've got the likes of Philadelphia Union, that are up on top of the Eastern Conference, as well as Orlando, Red Bull, New York, and Atlanta United. Uh, we've had a bit of a, a bit of a transfer shock that has just come across, and this has quite literally been announced as official within the last 30 minutes. The Colorado Rapids have just acquired Giassi Zardes from the Columbus Crew. U.S. Men's National Team forward has been traded to the Colorado Rapids for $300,000 of general allocation money. And so... At least from a sporting point of view, it could be a little bit of a welcome thing because we play Columbus tomorrow night, so they won't have Giassi Zardes. But that is a big deal. That is a big acquisition by the Colorado Rapids, further adding to their stockpile of good attacking players there with the likes of Diego Rubio, Mark Anthony Kay, Shin Yashiki, and, and others. I mean, Colorado definitely trying to build off of good results last year, and the addition of Giassi Zardes is one of them. Absolutely fantastic. And that's, that's crazy the, the, to see a big trade early in the year and for, for a marquee player in the MLS. Well, let me, let, me, let me go one more on you, Donnie. So DC United just fired manager Anon Losada uh, just a couple of days ago. And so they, they've hired an interim manager, but the bigger, bigger story is that there's been reports that DC United are exchanging proposals with a with a certain guy named Gareth Bale, oh boy. Uh, there's a there's a potential that they might be looking into bringing Gareth Bale to Washington, and so that that that'd be a very very interesting deal to see a potential 
transfer of Gareth Bale stateside. And another one that was really interesting that I that I saw from Fabrizio Romano, the the transfer guru, was that that Giorgio Chiellini is potentially looking at MLS as a potential landing destination. His contract with Juve expires this summer, so apparently MLS is very much on his radar and a, and a very high possibility that we could see the Italian national team captain joining an MLS side. We've already seen the likes of Lorenzo Insigne and Sebastian Giovinco transfer to Toronto. So who knows, potentially a, a reunion of acquaintances with Insigne and uh, Chiellini up there. But we'll no, have to wait and see. That, that would Both of those moves, if they happen, are, are great for the league because those are superstar caliber players. Again, put more bums in the seats, shall we say. So we, we look at it really quickly. I'm looking at the fixture over the weekend and some, and some bumper matchups here. So really quickly, just a couple of games that, that pique your interest over this next round, over the weekend, over the next couple of days. Yeah, so we've got a couple of really interesting ones. I think that one, at least for us in the Midwest, that's going to be interesting is Minnesota United hosting the upstart Chicago Fire. Uh, Des Moines menace legend Ezra Henriksen has been taking the Chicago Fire on a bit of a rebuild, and he's done really well to start. Brought in the likes of Jaredon Shakiri, Jairo Torres from, from Mexico, Casper Shibilko from Philadelphia, another really good acquisition. So they started off the season very, very well going to Allianz for a very interesting matchup with the loons up there. Uh, Philadelphia versus Montreal is a very interesting one. The Texas Derby between Dallas and Houston to start the match day will be very fun to watch. Uh, We've got Portland visiting RSL. That'll be a nice one. A really cool one is going to be Chicharito and LA Galaxy playing host to to Nashville FC and Walker Zimmerman. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup there. Miami hosting Atlanta United. The Red Bulls of New York traveling down to Orlando to play Orlando City. And then tomorrow, and then on Sunday, we've got New York City, the champions, playing against Toronto FC at Yankee Stadium. So that'll be a very fun one to watch as well. Yeah, fantastic. Great MLS action going on. I got to start watching some games because I keep seeing them on television and I keep not catching it. So I'm definitely going to try to watch some more MLS. Well, you haven't as... missed any sporting brilliance. So <laughs> you, you can at least say that you've, you've missed out on that. That's fine. Uh, but still, it's still some great football. It's still some great football, even as the European season is slowly descending to the end. We jump from domestic football here. Let's go to our other passion, and that is Aussie rules football, where we have a ton to talk about. Really quickly, let's because I really want to get to our middle discussion chat. Is really quickly, we'll go over the round five, uh, the round five results with Brad. If I remember correctly, you're tipping. You did quite well again. This round going, I believe, seven and two this round. Um, yeah, so. I, I think the ones I got wrong were, well, let me pull them up. I think I picked Essendon over Frio, and that one did not work out. That was the only one I got on. That was the only yeah, one I got. That Essendon I tipped. was <laughs> wrong. And then I, we, all wrong tipped, and... we all tipped Geelong against yeah. uh, Hawthorne. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so, so, so really, not so really too bad. Really quickly, the results over the round. Brisbane survives a tough test against from Collingwood up at the Gabba, 98-91. The Doggies, again, uh, their, their fun non-bogey team that is the North Melbourne Roos. They smashed them by 68-139-71. The Swans go to Optus Stadium and hand the smacketh down to the West Coast Eagles, 63 points, 121-58. A tough physical game at... at um, at Marvel Stadium as the Saints beat the Suns 87-61. The 
The Crows get a big win over the Tigers, 101-82. Demons trounce the Giants, 120-53. The Carlton Blues survive a crazy comeback by Port Adelaide in the second half to win by 394-91. Fremantle handeth the smacketh down to Essendon, 107-59. And the last crazy Easter Monday game sees the Hawthorne Hawks get a big 12-point win, 92-80 over the Geelong Cats. Really quickly, we know some of the games that you missed. What was the game of the round? Because honestly, though it says it was a close game, this wasn't a close game for the longest time between Carlton and Port Adelaide. So the, the result may be close, but that was, I'm, I've got to say for me, the game of the round was Brisbane, Collingwood right off the bat. I thought that was an incredible oh, game. Uh, thought it was the best one skill-wise, really good game. Collingwood showed they're not, not a bad side this year. Yeah, Collingwood are definitely trying to get themselves back up to the form that they were in in 2018 when they made the grand final. And they're, they're definitely not there yet, uh, but they're definitely making a lot of positive moves that Nick Dacos has been a very, very solid piece of the puzzle for them. Him and his brother, Josh, who is really rounded into form. Well, also Jack Crisp was really, really amazing with 36 disposals. Uh, Lockie Neal is being Lockie Neal. That's a game changer in the midfield for Brisbane. And I think that Brisbane, Right now, they're, they're really starting to, to come together as, as a group. I mean, they're, they're trying to make sure that they're able to stay within that premiership hunt that they've been on for the last couple of years. And so they're definitely going to be there as the season ends. Uh, a couple of the other ones I was really shocked or, I guess, surprised with was, of course, Hawthorne beating Geelong. I think not a lot of people expected that. And Frio, laying, as you said, laying the smack down on the Bombers, I think that Frio have come to play this season. They, they are not to be messed with this season, and they, they're definitely looking really, really solid to start the year, even with the absence of Nat Fife. So I, I think it's going to be a tough ask to play Frio at all this season. I think it's going to be a, a tough test for any team going at them, especially going over to Marvel or to out to Optus. I think it's going to be a very tough test for the rest of the competition to go there. And and we'll we'll get into this as we as we talk about round six. But their, their next matchup is a very interesting one. So that's going to be a fun one to talk about. All right, sir. You said you wanted to lead into this one because you know how much fun it is. Let's, let's, well, let's I, I, I say it. that because I, I say that because we, we had about 15 minutes off camera where Donnie was talking about this and talking about his various social media interactions, as, as, as we could say, some better than others, some, some very nice and productive and some, uh, unearthing some really interesting opinions from certain individuals, but it, it's the 50 meter penalties for descent for umpire descent. And this, this is a very hot topic in the world of footy at the moment. And it's been dividing opinions left and right and center. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw it over to you, Donnie, because you always have the best soap boxes when it comes to various subjects. And so we'll go ahead and throw it over to you. Give you the hot mic. So, Donnie, what's your opinion on umpire descent 15-year penalties? Um, I, I Scott Pendleberry during during the interview for the Anzac game this week had a perf, had a per, what I thought was probably the perfect retort to the reporters. He goes, honestly, I think the 50-meter descent issue is a media-driven issue because the most people that seem to have their shall we say underwear in a twist over this whole thing are media members because. I understand, I understand fans have, have had issues with umpire decisions, and I completely understand that because that's that's the plight of a fan. That's the plight of a supporter. Is You're never going to fully agree with the umpire unless the umpire is calling everything for you, and then the other side has an issue with that umpire. 
So I'm one of those. I look at it like this, and this is maybe the coach part of me. I love that they're doing this because I'm, I'm one of those. I love rugby and I love rugby union umpires that they command respect and they get respect. I think way too many times and way too many sporting codes, players are allowed to do just ridiculously ignorant things like arguing with an umpire and expecting him to go, you know what? You've got a great point there. I'm going to change my mind. I don't know about you, Brad, but in all the years I've been watching sports, I ain't never seen it. And I don't think I am ever going to see an umpire go, you know what? You're right. And change his mind. I don't think they're ever going to do that without a challenge flag. And then there's actual video evidence to prove it because if there's no challenge or VAR or anything like that, umpires ain't going to change their mind. So I just don't, I don't understand this issue of, well, the players need to be able to to express their frustration. No, they don't because what's it going to do? Did it change the call? No. Did it exacerbate the issue because of this situation? Yes. So in the long run, I really don't see the giant deal about this. I think this is a manufactured issue. I don't think it's going to be a problem. And my favorite other quote that seems to be coming up on the podcast, what if it happens in a grand final? Tell me at the end of the game, if the team that has it happen changes the result, because then we can talk about it because you can say it all you want, but if it doesn't happen in the grand final, or if it doesn't affect the end of the game, who cares? Like, I really don't mean to be blunt about it, but I just think way too many of these calls are really irrelevant. Let, let me let me pull up the point that I told Brad before on the camera. The, the ones that caused all the issues, the one the one that started the whole entire weekend was um was a Brisbane Lion was a Brisbane Lion player, Harris Andrews, who won the game this weekend. Oh, yeah, that'd be the Brisbane Lions. So it didn't affect the end of the game. So I'm really not seeing the issue here. One more goal. So it went from a 13-point win to a seven-point win. Whoop de doo, whoop de doo. Brisbane still got the four points. The other one that blew everybody's mind was the Hawthorne Hawks one that uh, of, of random 50 was called because two players were pointing at the video board. Again, like the video board is supposed to change the referee's mind. Again, who won the game? Hawthorne did. Hawthorne won it relatively easily. So again, your argument that this is so travesty for the game, it didn't affect the outcome. And this morning's one, same thing. The team that won was the one and only one dissent that we got. Wasn't questionable. I'll give you that a little bit. It was a tiny bit questionable. Do I think it was demonstrative? No. Do I think it was questioning the umpire's call? Yes. So technically, by the layer of the law, it was correct. So in the long run, I'll make it simple. This dissent is not an issue. It will be solved. The players will figure it out. The coaches will stamp it out. And in the long run, it's not going to be an issue. The media are going to continue to stamp its feet, making it think like it's a big issue. And in the long run, the players, the coaches, and the fans will eventually just get over it. The media may be the issue because I think the media are making the supporters have a problem with it, shall we say. That's my soapbox for the day. I don't mean to really go on to it, but I just, I really think this is a tantrum by the media to make a big deal out of something that really is not. So, and viewers, if you're viewers, if you're seeing smoke coming out of your speakers, that would be from Donnie's apartment. That's going to be traveling from to wherever you are, just the smoke coming out of his ears from this whole issue. Oh, uh, I, I, I express my opinion as, as vigorously as I can, but I try to do it as respectfully as I can. It just, I mean, Brad, I mean, it, your thoughts really quickly. And again, there, there is no wrong answer. Like I don't, 
have discussions with this saying you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong i don't like that because i think it doesn't actually solve the issue i just don't i don't see the, the the tantrum causing issues that i'm seeing all over i'm just not seeing it i'm, I'm thinking they're well, minis- the thing they're is minuscule. here the thing is here is at the end of the day sports are played by humans they're not played by computers they're not played by robots they're perform they're played by humans they're officiated by humans yes you can look at a monitor to see if a goal was a goal or not but that's pretty much the only instance of where a computer is going to make a 100% factually driven correct call. Everything else, it's up to human error. That's just part of human life. And if it's really that big of an issue to you, then you really look at yourself and go like, wow, I'm getting worked up over a refereeing decision in a sports game. Is it affecting your life? No. Is it affecting your ability to live a healthy and prosperous life? No. It's affecting the result of one sports team. And if you're sad about it, oh well, too bad. And I'm gonna and I'm also gonna throw this out here from the from the perspective of a former official. I, I officiated soccer for a long time, so I, I'm definitely no stranger to having parents or coaches berate me for, for a bad call. So If you're trying to grow a game, you need to grow not only your player's talent and your coach's knowledge and your fans' love of the game, you also need to grow officials and their their willingness to put themselves in the firing line and go out and officiate these games. What good is it going to do if you're just going up and, and getting mad over the simplest calls and getting so upset with an official over a call and making them want to not officiate anymore. That's not growing the game. That, that's just driving more and more people away from the game. And, and I've, I've always thought that when it comes to referee assault and referee abuse, it's like, I'm sorry, but if you don't like the call and you're getting that worked up over it, then you need to put your passion somewhere else where it's not affecting you like that. And it, it's, it's really annoying. And, and sometimes it, it really gets on my nerves too. And and for all of you viewers out there who just saw the smoke coming through speakers again, that'd be from me, and I apologize. But enough with that. We got round six to talk about. Donnie, lead us into it. Well, we've already had one game go through, but we'll discuss that again next week. Uh, a kind of an interesting result early this morning. So let's jump to our tips and previews really quickly. Western Bulldogs at Mars Stadium in Ballarat host a up-and-about uh, Adelaide Crows game just a little over three hours from now, really quickly, who do, you, who do you like in this one? I think this is an interesting one, especially with the addition of Tex Walker back in the Adelaide side over the last two weeks. He's gotten a good amount of goals, and the Crows have been looking fairly decent. Uh, I, I do think that the Dogs are going to be up for this one. They're going to be missing Tim English, but I think that that midfield is still just a little bit too good for this Adelaide side, especially now that they're going to be missing Rory Sloan for the year with an ACL. I think it's going to be the Dogs to win here. All right. I got the doggies as well, but I think the Crows are going to stay in this. I I think this is going to be a game that I'm going to keep an eye on because the Crows have been playing good footy. As you said, Tex Walker's addition, I think it's really bolstered this young team. I'm just interested in a couple of their selection. There are a couple of their selections. I I think were a little interesting for me that I'm going to see how that works out. We jump to a game that is kind of make or break it for both franchise, both clubs. And that is at the Adelaide Oval as the Port Adelaide Power at 0-6 take on the West Coast Eagles at 1-5. and 
I mean, normally you'd say this is a game you don't want to watch, but this has me super intrigued because whoever loses this one, I mean, it's hard to say that their season is not done. And the winner may start to see that momentum go on their side as, as the season goes on. So who do you like in this one? This is this is an interesting one, like you were saying. I'm going to go Port here. I think they're going to get off the schneid. And with the addition of Ollie Wines back into the team, it's going to do them a world of good, especially against a depleted West Coast side. But I, I think it's going to be a tough one. I think they're going to kind of sputter out of the gate. I, I do think it's going to be a bit of a second-half charge back by Port Adelaide. I think it's a must-win game for them. Uh, they, they've started off 0-5. They're definitely at a point where they cannot afford to lose any more games. I think they've got enough talent, even with the with a couple of the losses that they've got uh, in in terms of personnel. So I, I think that the Port Power will get over the line here. I think they're going to finally get into the win column here. I, I'm with you on that one. I have Port winning this one. The one thing I think really helps out Port with their rock issues is the fact that West Coast Eagles don't have Nick Nat Nui. Like I think if Nick Nat is playing for in this game, I think I tip the West Coast Eagles, but no Nick Nat Nui. Ollie Wines is back. Port's playing better. I, I'm going to have Port in this one at home. I'm just hoping that the fans turn out and help them in that game let's jump to the the next one which i think is is probably the game of the round in my personal opinion that out in optus stadium that is the Fremantle dockers hosting the carlton blues adam chair returns to wa i'm liking the dockers in this one i think the dockers have been playing really good footy and without nat fife they have been absolutely so difficult to score on they're getting goals with seven goals by matt tabner this week I think Carlton's defensive woes make it exposed a little bit this round with when you have Sean Darcy taking on Mark Pitnett. I think if Darcy can get Fremantle's midfield a bulk of the footy, I think it's going to flip a little bit of the of the fortunes for Carlton. So I like the Dockers in this one. Who do you like? I'm going to go Carlton here and solely because of the fact that Patty Cripps is back in the side. It's just going to be a question of, is he at 100%? I mean, with hamstrings, it's always tough, and it's very touch and go. Uh, but I do like the addition of Cripps back in. I, I think it's going to be a really tough game. I think this could really come down to the final couple minutes of this match. Um, I think that Carlton's just going to be just that tiny bit better, and I think that Cripps is going to have a really, really solid night out there in WA. And I think that the likes of Hewitt, Kerno, Martin, all, the, all these guys, Sam Walsh as well, Chara, I think it's going to be a really tough game for both sides, but I'm going to go with the Carlton Blues here. Mm-hmm. So th- th- this will be a fascinating game. Cannot wait for that one. A run of games that honestly, when I did my tipping, these were a little bit easier. Um, North Melbourne, Geelong Cats. Am I, am I jumping off too high a limb to say that you're going to tip the Cats in this one? I will, but going off of last week and seeing them lose to Hawthorne, it's definitely going to be one that we can't pass over North Melbourne about, especially after last year. Blundstone Arena was definitely a favorable venue for North Melbourne against Geelong. I remember last year was a bit of a scare, so this is definitely not a pushover, but I will go with Geelong getting the job done here. I'm with it. I, I think I'm hoping North bounces back from an ugly performance against the Western Bulldog. Bogs a lot like they did last year, so so I'm gonna have the cats, but I think the, the I think the roof keep it close. Q clash up at Metrocon Stadium, Gold Coast Suns versus Brisbane Lions. I think this could be a darn good competitive game of footy. I have Brisbane, but I think the Gold Coast puts a little bit of a scare into Brisbane early in this game and makes this a really close game. Come down to the wire. 
Yeah, the, the exclusions of Nikia Cockatoo and Mitch Robinson are going to make this a little bit interesting. I do think that Lockie Neal's got Brisbane firing on all cylinders right now. Joe Danaher's doing well in the forward line. I'm going to go with the with Brisbane Lions here, but don't count out Gold Coast. I mean, they're, they're a very solid team at the moment. They're, they've had a couple of really good results go, go their way. They were able to get a win off of Carlton earlier with when Cripps went down. So I, I think this would be a close one, but I think Brisbane will get it done. Yep. Okay, we jump to the um, Anzac Day Eve game between Richmond Tigers and the Melbourne Demons. I have the D's winning this one. The D's are absolutely firing right now. I just have a hard time seeing this Richmond team that's been very inconsistent getting a win over the high-flying D's. Yeah, the only thing that's potentially an eyebrow raiser for the D's is the exclusions of Lever, McDonald, and Viney all due to health and safety protocols and McDonald being admitted. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a Melbourne win. I think the D's will get over the line. I'd be more tempted to pick the Tigers if Dusty Martin was back. He is back in training now, so it's it's great to see that he's had his time away from the club to be able to to t- to take care of his personal personal issues. So all the best to Dusty and his family. So hopefully he'll be back on the field soon. But I think it's going to be a little bit too uh, not not great for the Richmond Footy Club as they go up against a very very high flying Melbourne side. Yep, 100% agree with you there. Down to UTAS Stadium, down in Tassie, as the Hawks host our beloved Sydney Swans. I'm going to tip the Swans in this one, but this one scares me a little bit because this Hawks team is playing some good footy right now. Yeah, it's a very good time to welcome back Lance Franklin and Dylan Stevens as well as Sam Wicks for the Swans. I think that last week was a bit of a bit of a scare with them not being in there, but I, I do like them getting back in. I, I think that Hawthorne has started off the season fairly well. Uh, I think that they've definitely kind of exceeded their own expectations to start the year. I think it's been a really good start for them per se, but I do think the Sydney team is just going to be a little bit too much for them. They are playing in Tassie, so it's a bit of a neutral site, a little bit in favor of Hawthorne perhaps, but I do think Sydney will end up getting the one. And then the last game of the round, the Anzac Day game, always a great emotional game in Melbourne, and that is Essendon Bombers and the at the MCG hosting the Collingwood Magpies. Who do you see getting the Chalkies in the last game of the round? This is a tough one, but I'm seeing the, the addition of Zach Merritt and Jake Stringer for Essendon. And I'm actually going to go the Bombers here. I think that the hot pick here would be Collingwood. I think that they're in a tiny bit better form at the moment. But I, I do like where the Bombers are going. I, I know that they got beat pretty bad last week by Frio. But I, I think that they're going to be on the up and up here. I think that they're going to be motivated to get the job done, especially with the full crowd at the MCG, the full fast festivities of Anzac Day, always providing a solid backdrop for what usually tends to be a really exciting game. So I, I think that, a lot of people are going to be going with Collingwood, but I'm actually going to go with Essendon here. I think that Stringer being back in as well as Merritt is going to help them out here. I think that Essendon will get the job done. I'm one of those. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. I've, I've seen, I've seen that thing. I think this is an Essendon trick. I don't think Stringer's playing. I don't think Merritt's playing because Merritt's only four weeks from a syndesmosis that the earliest anybody has come back from syndesmosis is six weeks. He's two weeks early. And Jake Stringer's hamstring, last time I had checked, is still two weeks away. I think this is a little bit of Essendon posturing. I don't think either of them are going to play. I'm going to tip the Collingwood Magpies. With that particular knowledge, I think this is gamesmanship by the Bombers a little bit to try to make Collingwood a little bit nervous and maybe 
maybe throw them off a little bit by planning to face two guys that are not going to be on the field. So I'm going to tip the pies in this one could be a fantastic game. And that is going to do it for our tipping and preview of round six. We've come to it, ladies and gentlemen, our favorite way to end the episode. And that is Brad's crazy stat of the week. Brad, what have you got for us this week? Well, the NBA playoffs are in full swing right now. We've seen a couple of crazy results. We had a crazy comeback last night by the Memphis Grizzlies coming from 26 down in the third quarter to beat the Minnesota Timberwolves up in the Twin Cities. We've seen some crazier things that have been going on. Uh, really interesting here for Nikola Jokic, the Serbian uh, reigning MVP of the NBA. His last seven playoff games that he has played in, he's scored 22, 24, 32, 22, 25, 26, and 37. Guess the result of all those games. All of them have been losses. And he's the first player in NBA history to score 20 points in seven consecutive playoff games, but lose all seven. So unfortunate there for for Nikola Jokic. Hopefully he can find himself back into winning ways, but that's a really crazy stat to end, end end the episode with. Yeah, that's absolutely insane. Another fire statistic there from Brad to end our episode. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Coach Hess's Sports Corner. Again, if you like it, please like, subscribe. Please, the smoke. There's no fire. We're good. We're just a little hot on the de- on the descent rule, but I think we're all going to be fine once this kind of calms down a little bit. So thank you for taking a listen to a couple of blokes just having a lot of fun talking sport, and we hope to see you again next week.